0: This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 198, Live Your Best Life Insurance.
1: Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your host, Certified Financial Planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode
0: I have a special letter I'd like to read aloud to you. Now, the author here is anonymous, but the message applies, I think, to all of us. I think you'll see what I mean. So let me read this to you. This is a letter to you. You may not realize it, but you and I have similar purposes in this world. Just like you, I am an idea. I am a promise. I help families see visions, dream dreams, and achieve economic immortality. I am the education for the children. I am savings. I am also property that increases in value from year to year. I lend money when you need it most with no questions asked. I pay off mortgages so that the family can remain together in its own home. I allow fathers and mothers to dare to live and give them the moral right to die. I create, manage, and distribute property I am the great emancipator from want. I am tangible evidence that a man or woman is a good spouse and a good father or mother. I am a declaration of financial independence, a charter of economic freedom. I am the difference between an old man and an elderly gentleman, between an old woman and an elderly lady. I provide cash if illness, injury, old age, or death cuts off the breadwinner's income. I supply investment capital that makes smoke go up chimneys, wheels turn, and motors hum. I guarantee that there will always be a Christmas with tinsel, a happy fireside, and the laughter of children, even if father or mother isn't there. I am the guardian angel of the home. So now, you see, you and I have similar purposes in this world. It's your job to provide food and clothing and shelter, schooling, medicine, and other things for the loved ones. You do this while I lie in your safe deposit box. I have faith and trust in you. Out of your earnings will come the cost of my upkeep. At times, I may appear insignificant to you, but someday, and who knows when, you and I will trade places. When you are laid to rest in your box, they will open up my safety deposit box and will take me out of mine. I may be used to help provide food, clothing, shelter, schooling, medicine, and other things your family will continue to need, just as you are doing today. When your work and labor are done, mine will begin. Through me, your hands carry on. Whenever you feel the price you're paying for my upkeep is burdensome, remember that I can do more for you and your family than you can ever do for me. If you do your part, I will do mine. Sincerely your life insurance policy. So that is a famous letter. I don't know who wrote it. But if you want to get a copy of that letter, please go to our show notes, and I'll make sure to get you a copy of that. Now, as I reflect on that letter, a few things come to my mind. The first is that we all have a job to do on this earth. And that's part of what gives life meaning. You know, many have wondered over the ages, what is the meaning of life? Now, guys, I certainly don't think this is all of the answer, but it appears to me that this is at least some of it. One of the best responses I've ever heard to the question, what is the meaning of life, is that that responsibility, responsibility is the meaning of life. I've noticed that people who have fewer responsibilities in their life, or for those people, for example, who try to avoid responsibility altogether, for example, they're not interested in A family or working or serving fellow man, they have no charities, no mission that they care about, that they're generally going to drift either into self-contempt and nihilism, or they're going to drift into aimlessly into self-service, sort of like Pinocchio as he wanders into Pleasure Island. Now, I believe that when you have a mission greater than yourself, you want it to last beyond yourself. Otherwise, it's not a very big mission at all. If it dies with you, right? And if, if you don't have a mission bigger than yourself, if your biggest mission is to take care of, you know, me, myself, and I, then you're going to either end up on that pleasure island or worse, you're going to be unable to get out of bed. And what kind of life is that? So generally, it is the responsibility uh, of family, or more generally, possibly to society's overall improvement, that really brings meaning and purpose to one's life. So this letter Uh, that I just finished reading is chock full, you can feel it. uh, It's chock full of pride that comes from making good on your promises to be responsible to those who are dependent on you. So my reflection here is that our human life is fragile. No, no big surprise there, right? Um, Our human life is fragile, but the responsibilities and the promises we make in life are durable. So that ongoing obligation, that responsibility to protect those less capable than you or me uh, will extend beyond your ability to care for them and your desire for meaning and purpose. I'm going to go ahead and suggest that desire for purpose will extend beyond your human life. In other words, my experience working with clients now uh, from all age groups, from all sorts of financial backgrounds, you know, okay. So it doesn't matter if they're young or old, rich or poor, is that their age, no matter their age, no matter their financial accomplishment, those who truly have found the meaning of responsibility a worthwhile goal to pursue, still, they still, at the end of it all, want to leave a large gift to their families or to charities when they pass away. So. Big surprise here, but we don't get to some special age, for most of us anyway, in our late years and say to ourselves, okay, you know, I'm done with meaning and purpose now. Uh, Typically, if you get to that point, you don't have much longer to live, I guess. Uh, But, you know, no, of course not. Most people I speak with still have meaning. They still want purpose to continue, even maturing that purpose and evolving that purpose as they climb up life's ladder, as they get more birthday candles on the cake. Now, I've noticed over the last 10 years of working in financial services, the more mature clients I meet with, the people with more candles on the cake, so to speak, are those that have taken life's path of responsibility and meaning seriously. So maybe they've had kids, or if not, maybe they support charities that they believe in, and they still, they still, in their later years, want to see their legacy grow, even into their later years. They're not chucking life insurance policies when they're 73, you know, they're not chucking their, their estate plan when they're 82. Their desire for a lasting legacy is not about leaving some statue in their honor or putting some name on a building. It's rather it's to commit to the promises that they made to their most important relationships. It's caring for their children or their grandchildren to help them succeed in the world. Or it's supporting the hospital that they care about so much in their community. Or it's giving to their church or synagogue to see their congregation's impact increase across their city. They want to see that mission extend beyond their own human life. And if you think about it, that makes sense. Why should your mission and responsibility and promises that you made to the people and the causes that you care about most die with you just because you did? Why should they suffer just because, you know, I couldn't keep breathing? That doesn't make sense. So, okay. So let me pull back a minute. Let's, let's get this back into our financial life. So let me ask do you guys mind if I just ask you a couple of questions on this? Uh, do you think about this for a moment? Genuinely answer. Do you own a car? If so, do you have car insurance? Well, of course you do. You have to have it legally, right? Let me ask you this. What happens if you're a good driver and you don't have an accident? What happens to the car insurance premiums that you're paying in to that car insurance policy? Well, of course, it's, it's gone. It's lost forever. It's consumed. What about those of you who own a home? Do you have homeowner's insurance, fire insurance? Well, of course you do. You'd be crazy not to protect something like a home. It's where you live. But let me ask you this. What happens if you don't have a fire or any damage this year? What happened to the premium? Of course, that premium is consumed. It's lost forever too. Do you have health insurance? Again, of course, you'd be irresponsible not to protect your family in case of illness or accident or injury. So let me ask you just one more time. These are big premiums that a lot of folks are paying for health insurance. What happens if you stayed healthy this year? What happens to the premium you paid? Of course, it's gone, it's consumed, it's lost forever. So these are three main insurance products that most all of us own. If you have a car or home or or health, and everybody has to typically own them if they have these assets. But in order to receive a benefit, you have to have something called a quote, triggering event. And that event triggers the payment of the benefit like a car accident or a house fire or medical illness. Now, thankfully there are lots of years that there are no triggering events and hopefully they may never happen. That's kind of the hope, you know, but you still pay that premium just in case an accident, a fire or injury or illness occurs, right? We all pay that premium just in case. But what if I told you there was an insurance product where the triggering event was guaranteed to occur that the event of this insurance product was designed to protect against what always happened. It was guaranteed to happen. Wouldn't you want to protect your family, yourself, your business, your charities against this guaranteed to happen event? Think about it. If you're already spending premiums for car and house and health, where triggering events are not guaranteed to happen, and that premium is then lost forever, ask yourself, why are you willing to buy insurance for events that may not occur but you're unwilling to buy insurance for an event that's guaranteed to occur? That doesn't make sense, does it? So I'm always surprised when people resist against life insurance. They don't resist, you know, the idea that they might be in a car accident, or that their house might be burnt down or damaged, and they don't, you know, necessarily resist that their family needs to be protected financially in case of an illness. But it, but when it comes to that most devastating loss that a family could endure or suffer through, for some reason they resist. And it's been baffling to me. This triggering event, this death is guaranteed to occur. We don't know when we don't know how all we know is that it will. So what should we do? For me, the answer is simple. We need to protect the people we love and the people who love and depend on us. Financially, it means this, this is very simple to understand. All the premium that is paid for life insurance is not gone. It's not consumed and lost forever. It always comes back to the family, to the people we love. In fact, it comes back through the death benefit in multiples of dollars. Depending on your age, $1 of premium you pay this year could come back as $1,000 or $100 or even $10, depending on your age and health. So my question is, why wouldn't you own the only insurance product where the triggering event is guaranteed to happen? on a financial like rate of return basis, right? Common sense tells you, you should. But I haven't even told you half the story, guys. Do you know why they call it life insurance? Well, it's because of all of the benefits that you get on this side of the grass too, not just for people on on the other side, you know, after you've passed on. If we only ever talked about the powerful advantages of the cash value, it's sane and predictable guaranteed growth, its mind boggling ability to bank on yourself and borrow against the cash value for opportunities like real estate or investing or buying Bitcoin, then we've missed a crucial component of that death benefit, the insurance contracts power to make good on promises. So I want to thank Marty Smith for kind of helping me understand some of these principles as we move through this. And and, uh, he helped me kind of understand that guaranteed to trigger event is part of the internal combustion engine of whole life insurance. So some people meet with me, they're still trying to figure out how this bank on yourself strategy works. And in not so many words, you know, a lot of folks will say to me, Well, Mark, you know, why do I need this death benefit at all? Really, I I love the guaranteed cash value. I love the tax-free access to cash. You know, I love the ability to borrow and, and that it continues to grow uninterrupted. That's all amazing. However, I don't like these insurance expenses in the first few years, and I really don't need this death benefit. Okay. I, I totally get it. I understand their perspective, but I'd like to gently push back. I ask them politely, hey, is there anybody on earth who would be financially impacted if you hadn't woken up this morning? And most people, if they stop and think about it, they'd say yes. You know, their church that they give to regularly, their employer who needs their services at work, their spouse and children at home, all of them would be financially impacted And beyond that, there's the emotional toll from the extended family who'd miss you. And of course, the expenses of putting your final affairs in order. But even if they discount all of that, the the guy or gal I'm chatting with, if they discount all of that, and they are firm in their belief that nobody would financially miss them if they were gone, I ask them what they would miss or regret leaving undone in their final moments here on earth. What currently brings them meaning in their life? I wonder if that commitment to meaning is strong enough that they would want to leave something behind on purpose uh, that they'd want to see continue. Maybe it's a charity or their alma mater that meant something to them during their lifetime. Why should that meaning or mission or charitable cause suffer? Wouldn't it make sense to ensure your work on earth continues, whether you were here to work it or not? So That's the kind of the emotional appeal, but let me also kind of get technical here for a second. Let's approach it from a technical perspective. Why is the death benefit so necessary for this asset? The death benefit is the asset in the life insurance contract. It provides all of the other advantages that we associate with bank on yourself, type whole life insurance. You guys, you know, if you don't need a death benefit at all, and therefore you, you know successfully would avoid all those pesky insurance expenses, really all you'd be left with is essentially a savings account. So if you want a savings account, great. Every bank in town is willing to offer you one. Savings accounts have no insurance expenses and no pesky death benefit to worry about. So if you want to avoid the insurance costs and the death benefit, if that's not important to you, then just go get a bank savings account. Again, of course, I'm being tongue in cheek here, but I realize that the savings account won't grow to the rate that a bank on yourself type whole life will. It has no tax advantages uh, like life insurance has, and a savings account is not able really to let you borrow and to help you bank on yourself. So there must be some sort of relationship between the insurance contract's death benefit and all the other benefits that come on this side of the grass as well. In fact, that is the case, the death benefit has an important living purpose, not just when you pass away, but every other day of your life as well. So from a mathematical standpoint, the guaranteed cash value grows guaranteed on a contractual basis, that cash value is designed to grow to equal your death benefit at some point in the future, uh, usually age 121. So even if you never died, if somehow you could get past that eventuality, you would still receive your entire death benefit when you reached your 121st birthday. So happy birthday to you. So if you like guaranteed fixed interest from bonds, money market accounts, or say stable real estate appreciation, or CDs, etc, etc, the guaranteed cash value grows like the longest guaranteed fixed interest maturity date you can imagine over your whole life. It grows. And if you lived your whole life, forgive the pun there, and you made it to age 121, you would be the beneficiary of your own life insurance death benefit. The insurance company would send you a nice birthday card and a big fat check in the mail. In essence, the cash value is sort of like a temptation from the insurance company. Let me explain what I mean here. They're trying tempting you really to get you to surrender your death benefit to give up that big future death benefit before you reap reach that ripe old age or pass away. Each year they're watching the clock tick on your human life. And they see that big death benefit looming as a liability on their insurance company's balance sheet. Okay, so let's say your death benefit is a half a million bucks $500,000. That's a half a million dollars of liability that the insurance company has to come up with if you don't wake up this morning. But you just had a birthday, you went from age 45 to 46 years old. So you're getting just a little bit older. So they're willing to give you a cash value to surrender your policy today and walk away from that future death benefit. Maybe last year, they would have offered you $130,000 to walk away, but now you're one year older and they'll guarantee to let you walk away, they'll offer you not $130,000, but they'll offer you $150,000 right now to walk away from their contract. That is what the cash value is doing. Each year you survive another calendar year, they're willing to pay you a little bit more money to walk away. To them, the insurance company, it's a relief of a liability Okay, to to help you get that guaranteed increase of cash value. But from your perspective, that is a guaranteed cash value that increases your wealth, your net worth. So again, the death benefit and the guaranteed increase of cash are related. Let's do another one. What about the tax advantages? Why do we need a big death benefit to get some of the tax advantages of life insurance? Well, the income tax law has favored life insurance death benefits since there was an income tax in this country, starting back in 1913. The death benefit was seen as a way to support widows and orphans and charitable causes, you know, something that the government was interested in seeing happen in society, but didn't want to get involved in personally. It's still that way today. The government does not want to be in the business of taking care of people who can't support themselves, and so the income tax nature of life insurance has remained tax-free as an incentive for private citizens to take care of those they love. Loans against the cash value building inside the policy are also income tax-free, even against the gains in the life insurance, since loans are not considered income to the IRS. And Because the loan, and this is very important, the loan is collateralized by the death benefit. Okay, so the reason why that death benefit needs to be there is so you can borrow against it and get access to both the principal and the gains income tax-free. It's seen almost like an advance, like getting an advance on your income tax-free death benefit I mentioned earlier. Okay even the ability to borrow from the policy. Okay, so we've talked about the guarantees and why the death benefits essential. We've talked about the tax advantages and why the death benefit is essential. But even your ability to bank on yourself, the death benefit is essential. Even that ability to borrow from the policy, while it magically continues to grow and compound, it must have a death benefit to accomplish that magical feat, where it grows continuous compound growth, even on the capital you borrow. Let me use my example from earlier to explain. Okay, so again, your death benefit is 500,000 bucks. And you have let's say $150,000 of cash value today, you request a policy loan of $100,000 against the policy to invest in real estate, etc. Now what you're technically doing is you're placing a lien against your death benefit. The death benefit is what secures your loan. That's why the loan was sent to you by the insurance company with no questions asked. There's no underwriting, approval process. There's no credit check. The insurance company receives that loan request from you. And within about a week, it's deposited into your bank account. It's because of that death benefit, that all of that was possible. If you were to pass away, let's say a day after taking out this loan, your family would receive 500,000 bucks minus the loan of $100,000, which means they'd get 400 grand net death benefit paid out to the family. And of course, the family would also get whatever real estate you bought with that policy loan to make them completely whole. So there's no comparison in that to stocks, bonds, mutual funds, real estate, gold, Bitcoin, everything, right? While each of these have a place in your portfolio, whole life insurance should not be compared with these other assets. In contrast, it guarantees the growth of the money and income cannot be outlived in a world where people are living longer and longer guys, this solution, this not your average financial strategy is the only way that I've been able to come across that astonishingly provides these important strategies and benefits. Only through that death benefit can you get access to mortality credits. We spoke about this in the last episode. So go back and listen to the last episode to learn more about mortality credits. Those mortality credits allow people to provide and receive a much greater income than any other safe money investment. Again, the death benefit does that through mortality credits, but it also provides leverage using pennies to buy dollars. That leverage of the death benefit can be used to offset future inflation, which is better described as the lost purchasing power of our money. Cash in your life insurance is also $1 doing the work of many dollars. In a world where discretionary money is decreasing dramatically as people are getting squeezed and can't save as much, it's going to be so important to have dollars that are flexible and versatile dollars that are more effective and more efficient, helping you do more than one job at the same time. Here's what I mean when I say $1 doing the work of many dollars. What if my dollar took care of you no matter how long you lived? What if my dollar took care of your family, your business, your charity, if you died too soon? What if my dollar was self-completing if you became disabled and you had a waiver of premium in your whole life contract? What if you had a critical illness, such as a heart attack or stroke or cancer, you could access the values in this strategy to transition your life without it being destroyed without the policy being destroyed. What if you could use the values to retrain so you would go back to work and not back to the work that caused you stress and health problems in the first place. What if the death benefit could replenish itself when you spent it during your lifetime? So your family and business or charity would still get the full value that you accumulated. What if you could have the same opportunity with long-term care? What if you could be cared for at home instead of the dreaded nursing homes, and then use that death benefit to replenish all the money you spent while you were alive so that the person who cared for you would have money to be cared for? Wow. What if we provided all of that coverage, $1 doing that many jobs, but if you ever needed those benefits, you still hadn't wasted any of the money on premiums. That's huge. Now, guys, just a side note here, 40% of all the people who died from COVID-19 last year died in nursing homes. If there was somebody you really loved, would you ever want to put them in a nursing home? Or what about yourself? Would you want to go into a nursing home knowing what you know now? about that situation last year. What if the funds in this policy could be created so that you could be cared for in your own home? Even if you used 90% of the cash value for care at home, wouldn't it be amazing if money was replenished somehow when you died so that the person that cared for you would have money then to be cared for? Better still, if they ever needed critical illness, long-term care, then you wouldn't have wasted premiums to provide those benefits. And finally, when you retire, what if you could use the value in this strategy to provide an income tax free supplement to your retirement that you couldn't outlive? I mean, isn't that amazing? Do you know anything else in the world that can do what I just described? So I'm wrapping up here, guys. But again, the the key piece to this whole puzzle is that death benefit. As, as uh, strange as it might be, as kind of wonkish as it sounds, that is the magic of dividend paying whole life insurance. So let's get some takeaways out of here. Now that you know all the wonderful things you can do to stay in control of your future economic events, how much value would you like to build for your family and business? Again, I'll ask that question How much value would you like to build for your family or business? That's my first takeaway. Ask yourself that question What's the number? Put a number to it, write it down. The second takeaway from this episode today if you want to change your life, you have to change your facts of life. So, what factually will change as a result of hearing this podcast. If no facts change, there is no change. So you have to make factual, tangible change to see real results. And the final takeaway is the meaning of life, at least in part, is your pursuit of making good on your promises, your responsibilities. It's what gets me out of bed in the morning. To whom are you responsible? Ask that question to yourself. To whom Are you responsible? I'd say, if nothing else, tell them that. Tell them that. Reassure them today, whoever you are responsible to, a friend, a spouse, children, a charity, tell them, tell them and reassure them that you are not going to break your promise to them. It will matter to them if you say it out loud. Maybe write a letter, maybe send a text, maybe say it over coffee, but make sure they know. Okay. So guys, that is it for our episode today. I really love these opportunities to dive a little deeper with you, both on an emotional level and a technical level to kind of explore the financial world from a not your average perspective. So thank you. And speaking of not your average perspectives, we have a brand new sister show that I want to make sure you know about. And one of our wonderful associates from Lake Growth Financial Services, Sari Ibrahim, has started his own financial firm and has started his own financial podcast, Thinking Like a Bank. That's the title of the podcast. You can find his show wherever you listen to this show. And it's, it's a, I think, a new take another take on similar but different strategies. And guys, we need new perspectives, we get fed the Oso oh average financial strategies, day in day out, uh, all day long from CNBC and Fox business and all the other mainstream financial strategies that are touted out there from our employers to the government to Wall Street. So we need counterintuitive approaches. And Sari's voice is an important one in this age. So be sure to subscribe to thinking like a bank and be sure to leave him a five star review. And guys, lastly, thank you for joining me for this week's episode of not your average financial podcast, helping you think and live differently with your money, your economy, and your future.